Welcome to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Good morning or afternoon, depending on where you're at. Today is a special day for me because not only is it the first episode of the show, but I also get to give away two Motown collection box sets to randomly selected callers. So be sure to listen up for that later in the show. Plus, I have a guest today that I'm very excited to speak with. My guest hails from the legendary Motown record label, and I remember being a little girl sitting up under my dad listening to his Motown music. You see, he was a teenager in the 60s and always told stories of how he and his friends would hang out on the block wearing their matching sweaters and doo and harmonizing to Motown tunes. Those are very special memories for me, listening to my dad and his music. We still laugh about it to this day. There is something about Motown music. It seems to understand your life and hear what's in your heart. Motown is food for the soul. My guest today is an original member of the Miracles, a Motown group that was responsible for such tunes as Shop Around, You've Really Got a Hold on Me, and The Tears of a Clown. Given the title, the first lady of Motown by the man Barry Gordy himself, she toured with then-husband Smokey Robinson and other legendary groups like The Supremes, Martha and the Vandellas, and Marvin Gaye. I mean, this woman is classic Motown. You know that Detroit Motown, and I am honored to share space and time with such an amazing and awesome lady. Claudette Robinson, the first lady of Motown, welcome to the show, and a very humble thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you, Lana. It is definitely my pleasure and honor to um, be speaking with you and to tell a little bit about our history, my hour. So in 1956, you became the very first female to be signed by Barry Gordy when you joined Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. But the group was originally called the Matadors at that time. Can you tell me exactly what brought about the name change and the restructuring of the group at that time? Well, I have a little bit of a correction for you. Actually, that was in 1957 that we met Mr. Gordy. And I became the first female and got in, actually, I'm going to say, I always say on the humble that the kids used to say back in my day, uh, (laughs) because it was basically an all-male group. Mm -hmm. And the group actually was called the Matadors. And the um, I had a sister group called the Matadorettes, because my brother, Emerson Rogers, was a member of that then group, the Matadors, which consisted of Smokey, Ronnie White, Pete Moore, Bobby Rogers, and my brother Emerson. So that was the four guys, and then um, four, four guys. Did I say four or five? It should have said five four. Guys. You said- okay, so it was Smokey, Ronnie, Bobby, Pete, and my brother Emerson. Okay. And um, what happened at that that point? Whenever my brother had a group. If he was in a group called, his first group was the Orchids, and so I had a sister group called the Orcarettes, which consisted of five girls. And when he joined the Matadors, then I became, had a group called the Matadorettes. <laughs> <laughs> we were like five girls. Well, <clears throat> the, when we went to, I'm going to say, the group had a, an audition to meet 
It wasn't Mr. Gordy. It was actually Jackie Wilson's manager uh, at a studio because they were looking for groups. And they had heard of the Matadors because the Matadors often did um, talent shows and really would win most of the time, with the exception of if there was a group there called the Four A's. And that group actually became the Four Tops later on. And if the Four Tops were there, everybody just knew that they were going to always <laughs> win first place. So. And uh, when we went uh, to the audition, the guy actually told us that... Um, the um, the world, actually the world, does not need another group with a girl in the background because there are, there was already one, and that was the Platters. And so the guys were trying to explain, because I was really not a part of their group. My brother had joined the Army, and they asked me if I would go along with them for the audition, and they also used our basement for their rehearsal hall. And so I think they really wanted to keep their rehearsal space. So they, they asked me if I'd go, and I went not really being sure if I mm -hmm. could do that or not, because I thought their harmony would be too low. But one of the things that I was not remembering at that time, Smokey was actually singing in the soprano section of his high school choir. So his voice was naturally high. He had a really strong, high tenor voice. Not uh -huh. falsetto, but a really natural tenor voice. So after we did the audition, there was a person, and the guy basically said, you know, leave. <laughs> Nothing we can do for you. <laughs> and I was a little sad for the guys because, you know, it wasn't my group. And yeah. uh, there was a gentleman walking around about five feet six and, you know, looking rather young. And uh -huh. he was sort of listening and he said to Smokey, do you, where'd you get those songs? And he said, I wrote them. And he said, oh, he said, do you have more? And he said, yes. He said, about how many? He said, a hundred. Wow. <laughs> he opened up, he said, well, I'd like to hear a few of them. And he was extremely patient while Smokey went through a few of his songs. And actually, I would say, gave him his first real songwriting lesson to let him know that there should be a beginning, a middle, and an end, and that you don't start from the end and go, you know, and <laughs> which some of his songs were at that point. And, um... So he asked at that point if um, we would like to work with him, and he introduced himself. He said, my name is Barry Gordy. Well, I think the only person in the group who actually knew who Barry Gordy was was Smokey. Smokey okay. would look at uh, the Hit Parade magazine. Okay. And, uh, you know, it had because he was interested in becoming a writer. And with that, he would take the, um, you know, he would look at all the lyrics and, who wrote the song that was really important to him. So he had seen Mr. Gordy's name on the um on the uh, on the sheets. <laughs> uh he would see him, you know, as being the writer of those particular songs because he had written songs and been successful uh, with uh Jackie Wilson. Mm -hmm. And how we came about because you asked uh, how did the name change come about? Well, we were getting ready to record our first record, and there was a girl in the group. They said, you know, this Matadors doesn't really suit a group that has a girl in it. So everyone was picking names, and we all took turns and put names in a hat and pulled the name out of the hat. And the person that pulled the name out of the hat was Claudette, and her <laughs> name was Miracles. <laughs> 
<clears throat> because uh, pr- prior to that, they had had names like, uh, you know, four four gladiolas in a row. <laughs> 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 you know, all kinds of like names that people used back in those days. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes. And so as a result, we our first record actually became uh, Got a Job, which was actually um, released uh, February 19th, 1958, which coincidentally is both Bobby and Smokey's birthdays. Uh, oh. Yeah, Bobby and Smokey actually were born the same day, same year, same hospital, um, and one hour apart, but met each other as teenagers. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So just out of curiosity, so the younger generation uh, can know, that very first album that you guys cut, what was the big payday? Uh, our very first, we had a two-record deal with um, the N record label, which was George Goldner out of New York City, and he was famous for being with, uh, uh, as owning the record company for Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. And our big payday for all five of us for writing, producing, performing, Recording, three dollars and nineteen cents a piece. No, three dollars <laughs> and nineteen cents for everybody. <laughs> we had to divide that actually, but we never actually cashed the check. <laughs> wow! Wow! Amazing. So I guess you were a teenager during this time uh, in the early Detroit music scene. Uh, what was that like? The parents were okay with it and stuff? or? Well, you know, in the days that we were all like, everybody sang. I mean, on the, probably in every house, every corner, every everywhere. People, I don't think that anybody thought it was anything that unusual to be able to sing because everyone, mm-hmm. everyone was doing it. When I say everyone, it probably wasn't 90 or 100% of the people, but it was so many of them until you felt as though it was everybody singing. Yeah, that and, was the thing to do. Oh, yeah, you know, because it was uh, your recreation time. You know, you have to uh, know that we didn't have um, cell phones and <laughs> iPads and no tablets know, all, all and... the modern things that kids have today and take so for granted. So we made our own fun, our own times to get together. And, of course, you had to be in by the time the streetlights came on. Yeah. Kids know nothing about that today. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I'm trying to tell them, but it's a little difficult. They don't quite understand that why you should be in before dark. But, you know, they, there was, they had good reasoning behind that. They wanted you oh, yeah. just to be safe. That's all, just to be safe. That's right. So you said in 1957 was uh, when you guys joined, uh, uh, signed up with Barry Gordy. So yes. at that time, were you already married to Smokey, or did that come later? Oh, no, no, no. I was much too young to be married. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I started when I was like two and a half. So. <laughs> yeah, we know that, right? You just came out singing, right? <laughs> Actually, Smokey and I really married November 7th, 1959. Oh, okay. So not shortly yeah. after. Yeah. Well, yeah, a little bit after. Um, it was uh, Motown began in '59, and okay. um, so um, it that '59 was a big year for many, many people, including mm-hmm. myself at that time. Okay. So I'm guessing before, like the 1957 to the 1959, you guys started touring with other Barry Gordy groups. 
Uh, there weren't any other Barry Gordy groups at that time. Uh, nobody came to actually Motown until after 59. Okay, after 59. The only other artist that was around actually was uh, Marv Johnson, who was on the United Artists record label. I don't know if you remember Marvin or not. Marv Johnson? No, the name sounds familiar, but okay. I'll have to, I'll have to, in today's take, I'll have to Google that after the show. Okay. <laughs> okay. So um, what exactly does a man like Smokey Robinson do to woo a lady such as yourself and convince her that he should marry, she should marry him? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, at the time, we actually were still kids. We were still in our teenage years. And um, I, from listening to my brother, my brother would always say, you know, Smokey, he really likes you, and he, you know, and I'm saying, like, well, that's my brother's friend. You know, you don't really usually like yeah. your brother's friends. But he was always very nice, and he was always a gentleman. Um, I didn't think he was as handsome as other girls did, but <laughs> <laughs> that was my own take. I wasn't really, I mean, I didn't care how he was looking so much, because, you know, boys have to become men, and they have to kind of grow into themselves. Yeah. And so you know when you when you're first looking at them, you know how like their face is like, you know it has to fill out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it has to do all those things. <laughs> I mean, girls, we have to do the same, but uh, yeah. it's a little different. It seems like ours is a is a faster process, I think, than uh, the young men. But he was always, I you know, when you say woo, I think we had some kind of instant when we really started thinking about liking each other or whatever. It's, as kids sometimes do. Um, he was a very romantic, um, you know, and it wasn't just from the lyrics of the songs. But he had such a great, great uh, comedy sense. <laughs> 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 it's really a rather corny, uh, uh-huh. you know, a corny comedy, but it yeah. made me laugh, you know, and, and I've always been one of those people, even today, in my early 30s or something. Yeah, that's right. No more than 25, Claudette. No more than 25. It's still, it's still, I still like to be able to laugh, you know, because laughter is like forever. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's good, good for, for the soul. soul. It's, it's good, good for the soul. soul. Well, we're going to take a quick break, Claudette, and I want everybody to stay tuned, but we're going to be back with more with the wonderful First Lady of Motown right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. I am your host, Lana Reed, and today's guest is the first lady of Motown, Miss Claudette Robinson. Uh, right now, I think it's a good time to look for my first winner. Uh, be caller number five and win a Motown CD box set a collection of over 60 Motown songs. The call-in number to win is 888-GO-FOR-IT. That's 888-463-6748. Now, Claudette, before we had the break, we were talking about uh, Smokey Robinson wooing you and convincing uh, you to marry him. Uh, I guess we must assume that Smokey must be a very romantic guy because he wrote that song, My Girl About You. 
but how is it that the Temptations ended up singing that song and not the Miracles? Well, the song actually was for um, David's voice. You know, okay. uh, My Girl actually seemed to... Uh, we actually did a version of My Girl, but the Temptations version was so much better. <laughs> so much better, and thank God, because they became that became a real phenomenon for them and a great hit for uh, Smokey after he had done My... Um, my guy for Mary Wells, you know, prior to that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And during those uh, early years when you were touring with the uh, the Miracles, what was it like to be the only girl with four male band members? Well, I will tell you that I probably had the greatest experience ever. Because, first of all, one was my cousin, one was the husband, and two were my best friends as well. So these guys protected me like I had four bodyguards <laughs> at all times. At all times. I mean, they would. I can almost recall, recall that it was long before people had their own personal bodyguards, but I did because they, were, <laughs> they made sure that people stayed away from me. I um, just went to a funeral service about uh, three or four weeks ago. And some of my um, friends from um, actually grade school were there, mm-hmm. and they were saying, and we did the same thing. They said, we wanted to protect you. were our queen. And, you know, why uh. they're queen and why they wanted to protect me, I have no idea. But they did, and I'm grateful and so thankful to God that they did, because many of the pitfalls that the other females may have run into, uh, I was actually just totally taken away from that, because they, you know, no one... Well, I have to say this because I want the young people to know that when you're in show business, you do not have to do drugs. I never mm-hmm. did drugs in my entire life from the day I was born until we speak as we're speaking today. Good stuff. So it's Good stuff. all about what you truly want to do yourself. You can mm-hmm. get away from it. You can let people know that is not where I'm going, and they will leave you alone. Mm-hmm. And I had good fortune of them not even getting to me because I had guys blocking the way. It was like whatever they did, they did, but make sure Claudia is not going to do any of that because we're taking care of her. This is our girl. So the um, exposure to the music industry, the entertainment industry back in the day, uh, touring with these different groups, you must have seen uh, some uh, some things and you have a lot of stories. Uh, what What bands did you feel closest to in the early days of Motown? Well, you know, prior to their coming to Motown, Gladys Knight and the Pips were one of my very, very, um, it was a group that I just, I loved their their harmony, I loved their uh, routines, I loved everything about them, and Gladys, of course, is still a good friend, and you know, I have to say, one of my number one singers, you know, from, um, I mean, because she's like one of those people that has just gotten better over time. And uh, she was, you know, very young when she started singing. And uh, the first time that we went to the Apollo Theater, we happened to meet um, Gladys and the Pips. We also met people like uh, Ray Charles, um, Tina Turner, Ike and Tina Turner, you know, were on the bill, the Flamingos, the Shirelles, uh, just numerous, numerous groups. And that, that actually was before the Motown Review and before the Motown Acts actually got a chance to, to tour with us and for us with them. 
And uh, after, when the Motown review began, that was just phenomenal because I felt like this is my family. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> they're all out here. These are my sisters and brothers of song, and we just had an absolute ball. And it was such a, an amazing time. And as I'm writing my book, I'm going to tell you, hopefully you'll get a, an opportunity or my the public will be able to hear some of the wonderful stories that happen along the way, you know, on our road to miracles. And um, it's just, um, I feel so blessed that I was able to be a part, you know, of the Motown family and a part of the history that is now occurring and people are either remembering, reviving through Motown the Musical, which is now on Broadway, and that's a phenomenon within itself. Mm-hmm. You um, mentioned the Motown Review. Uh, what kind of, oh, name some of the groups that we would have seen if we were back then in the Motown Review. At the Motown Review, you would have seen Marvin Gaye, mm-hmm. Martha Reeves and the Vandellas, mm-hmm. the um, Marvelettes, okay. the Supremes, wow. uh, the Four Tops. Um, okay. Gosh, it was... Uh, Almost everybody on the main roster that you can think of for Motown was a part of the show. Stevie Wonder, of course, absolutely. Little at that time, little Stevie Wonder. <laughs> little Stevie Wonder, huh? Yeah, he was about ten years old, nine or ten. <laughs> you know, you you uh, you just appeared uh, on uh, Dancing with the Stars, and they had Stevie Wonder night. What yesterday? I, Day before yesterday? Oh, that was on Monday. Monday. That was Monday, and I want to tell you. You know, he is so amazing. Yeah. And when he said that he is going to actually become a contestant (laughs) on Dancing with the Stars. Well, he could do it, right? He could do it. Well, he has rhythm. He has rhythm. And I've actually seen, uh, you know, people that are uh, uh, either blind or nearsighted or, you know, where their sight is uh, not the best, and they actually... Seemingly can get, they pick up the rhythm. I don't know if they get it from the floor or what they get it from, but sometimes they even dance better than, you know, people who have sight. <laughs> so. I think that would be something to see Stevie Wonder win the contest over all the different contestants. That would be amazing. You know what? I think he could do it because yeah. Stevie does an amazing thing, just amazing things. Uh, Bobby and I, Bobby was my uh, cousin in the Miracles, and the one tall one with the glasses, mm-hmm. and he just passed away a few weeks ago. And yes. uh, he and I actually were helping Stevie learn to ride a bike. But Stevie did everything that sighted people do. He would uh, jump off of porches, climb um. trees, all the things that you would think. He had an amazing mother that uh, did not think of him as handicapped. She just this thought of him as a regular boy, and he was going to do these things, and he did it. Best way to do it. Best way yeah, to do it. Absolutely. Okay. Um, touching on a soft uh, spot. When you and uh, Smokey first got married, you tried to start a family, but there was um, some complications. Uh, did that put a strain on your career, your marriage at that time, or? Well, it definitely put a strain. Well, we didn't start like right away, but it definitely put a strain on the um, my career. <laughs> because <laughs> by 1965, he and Mr. Gordy had uh, decided that it was time for me to come off the road because 
I had had several miscarriages. At miscarriages, I had a total of eight, and oh uh, you know they were all at least five months or more. Oh my! So it was uh, it was not an easy task. But I will say one thing for Smokey that he, even being a young man, I don't know because he had a fantastic family, uh, a mm-hmm. lot of girls, and maybe this helped towards his sensitivity. And what he did is each time that I had a miscarriage, he'd always say to me, you know, I'm sorry that they didn't make it, but I'm glad that you're still here. Mm -hmm. You know, and he would say that over and over again, and it would be like, you know, if whether we have a family or don't have a family, we have each other. And so with that, you know, it made it a little, a lot easier because, you know, some people, and I'm sure he had his own pain, and thinking of it, you know, many years later, I recognize now that he was carrying his own pain as well mm-hmm. because, you know, he was the father of the children. So, um, But he was trying to keep me encouraged and not, not, to, let me, not to allow me to be too, too sad. And, An awesome uh, team you guys made. Pardon me? An awesome team, awesome duo you guys made, you know, supporting think, each other. Like I think that we did. You know, we made it for like 27 years, which I guess is a real record in the show business industry. That is a record uh, according to today's standards. <laughs> That's a real record. You know, uh, it would have been wonderful if we could have done the whole routine of, of, of a lifetime, as it so says. But, you know, things happen, and um, it's it's okay. I'm okay. And I know I feel that he's okay. So as long as we're okay, and you know we have children and grandchildren, and I have the best job in the whole entire world to be a grandmother of three. Uh, one, my my oldest uh, lyric is going to be uh, 16 in July. Uh, my other two, by my son Barry, um, are twins, a boy and a girl, and they just turned 13. And you will not, uh, you cannot imagine how much fun. <laughs> Lyric, of course, has the aspirations of becoming a singer. So we'll see as time goes by. Ah, flows in the family blood. Flows in the family <laughs> blood. There, huh? Well, she has an amazing voice. She really, really does. You know, I know grandparents always like, you know, stroke their own grandparents. A little bias there, but you're entitled. <laughs> but she, I mean, she truly does. I mean, she truly does. But it's left up to her. I am not pushing for that direction because it's I tell her all the time show business is not an easy business but you have to remember one thing it's not fun and games all the time mm-hmm. it is definitely first a business and if you don't like people or you don't think you can deal with people don't get in the business yeah. because it is a it is a business about people and you have yeah. to really love and care about these people who are coming to see you and what they're doing spending their money and their time and you know, just so much of themselves, but you also have to remember that, number one, there's God, and you have to put God first in all things. And uh, if you can't remember that, this is my advice, <laughs> then there you it's go. better to just, you know, forget it, because you can get really, really, uh, really just, like, in a place where you would not want to be, uh, because, you know, it's not all about you. Many times people feel that, as they're in the business, you know, when you're in the business, the first time that you step on the stage, whomever you may be, you don't have to be a singer, you can be a, a pastor, you can be um, the choir member, you can be the, a, just a speaker for the day. Anybody that steps on a platform all of a sudden has an audience. 
And with that audience, for one moment in time, you are just great. As mm. they say, you know, you're great, you're wonderful, you're the queen, you're the king, you're this, you're that. And maybe you are for that second. But when you come down, you're just like everybody else. Just like everybody else. And and that might be the tricky spot for some people is to realize after the lights go down, I'm still just a regular person. That's right. Taking off one pant leg (laughs) at a time. And And, and you seem to have stayed very humble over the years. Do you credit that to anything? Well, I have to first start with my grandmother. I um, lived with my grandmother for the first eight years of my life. And... um, she was just such a special soul. She passed away when I was eight years old. And uh, that was uh, very traumatic for me because she had a cerebral hemorrhage and just was the two of us together. And um, But all the knowledge that she embellished in this little brain <laughs> was just, I mean, I hold true to those things even today. I mean, she told me so many wonderful things that I can just treasure. And... Um, you know, that I never probably would have known. Because sometimes you just don't think about certain things because I know I yeah. have children and grandchildren and I've imparted a portion of that information. I don't know if I gave them all the information that she gave to me because we were together all day long, every day. You know, we go. she was the secretary of the church and mm-hmm. her brother was the um, uh, pastor of the church. And so we were at church uh a lot, <laughs> a lot, <laughs> and uh, then I, you know, I was like a, a Catholic in the afternoon. I mean, I'm sorry, Catholic in the morning for school, and mm-hmm. then um, a Baptist in the afternoon or evening when I went to church with her. And people say, "Well, weren't you confused?" And I said, "No." <laughs> I thought it was all the same. People just had on different robes. <laughs> yeah, it's all God, right? <laughs> it was all God, and thank God that, uh, you know, he chose me. All right. We're going to take one of our uh, our next break, so hold tight. We'll be back with more Claudette Robinson, the first lady of Motown, right after this. Let's return to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com with your host, Lana Reed. Once again, welcome back to Don't Box Me In. I'm your host, Lana Reed, and today's guest is Claudette Robinson, the first lady of Motown. Uh, Before I get started, just a quick congratulations to Karen Stewart of Las Vegas for picking up the CD collection. I've got one more set to give away, so keep on listening for your chance to win. Uh, right before the break, we were talking about uh, the babies that Claudette uh, and Smokey managed to have. You managed to name uh, two of your children in honor of Motown. Uh, can you tell me a little? Um, can you hear me? I'm here. Oh, okay. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about uh, what Barry Gordy meant to you and your family that motivated you to name your children after his first label, which I don't think people know what the first label might be, and himself? Well, first of all, Mr. Gordy was uh, like a, a mentor and a uh-huh. father, pretty, pretty much a father image to us because, you know, by him being older and having been a part of the industry, he sort of took us under his wing and being the only group around at that time, the only artist, I should say, around at that time, um, he was able to give us his full time and attention. So when our, our first, uh, was, first child was born, 
he was uh, a boy, and mm-hmm. his name became Barry after Barry Gordy, William after his father Smokey, and then Barope, which stands for uh, Bobby, the two letters of Bobby, R-O, the two letters of Ronnie, and P-E for Pete, which was um, the other members of the group. So he had a chance to get them all. <laughs> I can imagine him standing up in school and saying his full name, right? Right, right. Well, you know, he uses that name today. Oh. Today he still uses his full name. I mean, he's the wow. only person I know that uses all the names. <laughs> I want you to know exactly yeah. who I am. That's right. And uh, when we had a girl, Mr. Gordy had actually asked people that had children before uh, Tamla was born, and the first label actually was Tamla before okay. Motown, and um, that was a lot of the, you know, the Tammy records that um, all it was all about Tammy for a long time uh, mm-hmm. in the in the early fifties. But since that name was taken, he named it Tamla, his first okay. record label, and so our daughter is Tamla Claudette, and uh, she um, often asked me why did I name. <laughs> after a record label. <laughs> See, she's history. She's history. I, I keep telling her that, but I don't know if she gets it like I do. But anyway, that's her <laughs> name. So I'm sorry. She's so, with it. So, so Barry Gordy was responsible for molding uh, a lot of the groups, and I guess especially you. Can you impart some of the wisdom or some of the things he used to say to young groups, getting them off and started? One of the things that he often told you to do was to save your money when we were able to get any to save. And the other thing was he would tell everybody, pay your taxes. Pay your taxes first before you do anything else. You know, don't spend the money and then think you're going to get it and then be able to pay the taxes later. So I, I always say that he gave us a great lesson and a lot of people, unfortunately, did not follow it. But, you know, when you think about it, that's something the IRS has to be paid. <laughs> so, <laughs> whether you want to or not, and believe me, I'm the first one that doesn't want to, but then my accountant says, oh, no, we got to do this. Say, <laughs> so, I want to keep a little bit of this, right? <laughs> I'd like to have, like, $2, please. <laughs> Just do. Please, Uncle Sam. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's good that Barry Gordy imparted some financial sense because I think a lot of times um, when people rise to fame in any kind of medium, you don't really get anybody kind of mentoring you and walking you through the like, this is what you really should do with your money. And you're kind of like, I went from $2 one day to 200000 You know, I'm like, okay, I can spend, spend, spend. So, you know, I think that's a good little, you know, to have somebody there walking you through that process. And, you know, in the early days, he would go on the road with us, you know, and uh, try, stand back, either um, he'd sit in the audience or stand to the side or even in the wings, and listen to what we were saying, doing, how we looked, and because uh, he wa- always wanted his group and his acts to be professional at all times. You know, not just, uh, uh, he didn't want you to just sound good on record. He also wanted you to sound good in performance, you know, to have your notes right. You know, uh, in the early days, of course, we didn't have a lot of money to pay for um Outfits, uniforms, or whatever we called them in those days, but the um, we would do our best to look as good, you know, sharp, clean, neat at all times. 
Good. Uh, we're going to take just uh, one quick break. We're going to look for that second winner of the Motown hit CD box set. Be caller five right now. That number is 888-GO-FOR-IT. That is 888-463-6748. Looking for caller number five. Okay. So when you were touring back in the day, uh, was it just the tour bus thing or how did you guys get around and was it all the groups together? Are you speaking of when we first began or later on? Yeah, when you first. When you first began? When we first began, we were actually in a car. Just five <laughs> A car, no airplane travel. Not yet. Uh, no, 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 no. Actually, there were class six seats, right? In there. Six people inside because we also took a guitar player with us. And we would often tie all of our um, clothing and uh, on top of, you know, on, on the luggage rack on top of the car. Mm-hmm. And there we'd go. We'd just be gone. And I think what attributed to our probably not being so uncomfortable is the fact that we were young. And mm-hmm. when you're young, you can do many, many things that you have no idea that you can do unless you are either exposed to it or this is what you have to do. <laughs> and, I mean, and that's fun, and that's memories being made. I mean, I think you look at it more like this is just fun, you know. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to have fun. If you don't okay. have fun, you don't even really need to be in this industry because it it should be fun. It shouldn't be that complicated. But it is business. It's business first. You know, you mm-hmm. have to take care of your business. You have to hone your craft. You have to, like, practice, rehearse at all times. You cannot let down and, you know, think, oh, well, I don't have to do that this week. If you're going to still perform, you need to do it all the time. And just so that you make sure that if you're a singer, that you have your notes right, if you're a musician, that you practice so that you have that together as well. And if you're a songwriter, you also need to practice that so that you get your writing skills up and continue to keep them up. So there's nothing that you can do in this life that I know of that you don't have to work at it. You know, nothing really comes easy. It looks easy, but it's not as easy as it looks. A lot of work. I'm going to fast forward just a little bit to, uh, let's see here, probably when you turn maybe 35. What does a mother with, <laughs> what does a mother with uh, you, children who, who've uh, grown all up and uh, who happens to be a Motown legend, what do you do with yourself after divorce? Uh, what, what becomes your passion at that time? Well, you know, I have lots of passions. I've always been, uh, I, my what I wanted to become other than a singer, I really didn't ever think about becoming a singer. I loved to sing, but thought I was too shy to be on the stage. So I, I have volunteered in the classroom from probably the 60s to just actually very, very recently. Um, I'm always a part of the PTA for, for mm-hmm. now my grandchildren. And uh, I love being around uh, young people in school and just learning something because I find that I learned so much by just listening to them because, you know, we may think that we know it all or we have it. We don't. (laughs) They have knowledge to impart as well, and so it's always good. And what I do, and my friends say, why are you doing that, Claudette? When I'm home, I take my oldest granddaughter, she's in high school now, to school. And okay. she, we pick up two friends, and you can you cannot imagine how much you can learn in the twenty minutes 
just going to school and listening. Yeah, to amazing, them. right? <laughs> <laughs> just listening, listening, not making a comment because if you start making comments, I'll tell you one thing, they're going to stop talking. <laughs> they clam up real quick, teenagers do. <laughs> but, you so, know, I've uh, done, I try to do charity work. Um, mm-hmm. I try to be helpful in ways that I can with my friends and or family and you know, I'm still very close to Smokey's family, so we do a lot of things together. Some of them live in town and some are out of town. And one of his nephews is actually a DJ for um, a Stevie Station. And mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, he's still on the air after so many years because he's actually almost the same age as his uncle. They're about a, mm-hmm. year, a year apart, yeah. So, um, you know, I just, I, I fill my life with many, many things, you know. Um, I'm on the board of the Rhythm and Blues Foundation, and I'm on the um, the um, grants committee, and that is just an amazing job for me because it is so. I think it's fulfilling to be able to help people who are perhaps have been in the same position that I am and have been in, <clears throat> and. Um, it's it's almost like you're feeling like you're helping your brothers and sisters. And what I truly like about the organization is that when they are giving and um, helping others, be it um, medical, be it um, um, funeral expenses, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is a hard thing. And uh, yeah. But, you know, you have to think, Motown has been around for over 50 years. And with that, you know, a lot of the artists didn't make it to the higher status. They just were, you know, maybe some of them only had one or two hit records. And yeah. unbeknownst to the world, they didn't make a lot of money, mm-hmm. you know. And they are trying, you know, but people expect, because they hear them on the air, they feel like, oh, they're rich, you know, they've got yeah. all this money and the other thing that happened way back when, people didn't make the kind of money that they do today. You know, yeah. you didn't start off making millions of dollars. I mean, if a person made a million dollars in a year, everybody thought that they were probably the richest person in the whole entire world, let alone. You know, I'm thinking if you had to split $3 amongst five, <laughs> four or five people, you guys are <laughs> making <laughs> Yes, that's correct. That's correct. That's actually how Mr. Gordy, um, actually Smokey made a suggestion at that time for him to, you know, we certainly couldn't do any worse, so you may as well start your own record company. (laughs) Because it was not, um, you know, not as profitable as one would think, especially when we, I mean, we were just amazed. We could not believe that they had even sent that check. (laughs) So why bother? (laughs) Yeah, and we wanted to know. Um, what was it for? (laughs) (laughs) They were saying all the things they had to take out, you know, all the expenses. It was basically they had to take out expenses, and expenses, I guess, was everything. They probably should have just said we had to use it all and just said no check, you know. But uh, it was quite an experience, you know, and I was thinking, I said, "Mm, good thing I wanted to be a teacher. (laughs) I know. Steady paycheck, you know. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the current stuff Miss Claudette's uh, got going on. Uh, But stay tuned. We'll be right back.
You're listening to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com. Here's Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, that call in number for the uh, contest to win is 888-GO-FOR-IT. That's 888-463-6748. Call in and you can pick up a Motown CD box set. So I wanted to talk about some of the stuff you've got going on currently. And um, one of those projects I hear is a project with your daughter, and that's a docu-series. Uh, what's it like to work with your daughter, and exactly what is a docu-series? Uh, a docu-series is kind of like a documentary. Um, um, let me see, how can I express it to you more? Uh, <laughs> not really a reality show, but... Mm-hmm. To some degree of that, my daughter had a clothing line, and okay. um, she is she wants to really uh, launch her line again. So it's really telling the story of how she started because she started with um, making clothes for her daughter uh, because she felt like there was no real clothing out there that she thought was fashionable for her daughter. <laughs> so she started a clothing line with that, and. Um, it was really going quite well for a while, and then, unfortunately, uh, the person that was financing the um, project, which happened to be her dad, <laughs> pulled the plug, more or less. <laughs> so, well, she wasn't able to continue on, and so now she's ready to, uh, you know, kind of show now her daughter pretty soon will be going away to college and, like, okay, what do you do from here, you know? And uh, I think it's going to be, I, I really love the fact that um, uh, what we're going to be doing is, what we are doing is trying to document the process of what happens with that. And okay. I think that she will, she's a very brilliant girl, you know, and that's not just from a mom's uh, standpoint. But <laughs> of she, course not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's beautiful, she's talented, she's the smartest girl in the whole entire world. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, you know, she's divorced now, and so she really wants to get her life back on track and, you know, really do something uh, for her other than other than mothering. But she'll also be mothering because, actually, uh, the daughter probably will be a part of the um, documentary. I shouldn't call it a documentary. I'll call it a, the show. It'll be more of a show, and um, uh, it'll. we're not sure of the channel yet, uh, that mm-hmm. it will be on. That's going to be it. We're really about to find out very, very soon. And when I do, I'll give you a call and let you know. Sounds good. Sounds good. I can't wait to see that. So you'll be on the show. Uh, it's like a weekly basis, probably. Type uh, thing. I think it would be a weekly basis, and uh, I hope to be able to participate each one of those weeks. You know, if if time permits. But I'm in the process of actually writing, you know, this book, and right now I'm represented by Jennifer Keene of Octagon for my book, and right. um, this, the other thing is is that um, I also uh, have a website, which is ClaudetteRobinson.com, so, you know, you can, you and catch others, with you. hopefully will be able to catch up with me uh, by just going on the website and kind of seeing what I'm doing and what I've done, and uh, I hope that when this book is completed, that you will enjoy it as much as I have in getting it started and finishing it, because the start of it was many years ago, actually, <laughs> because it's really about me. It began with birth, you know, my life and um, 
how much of it they'll use because I've 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 lived a few years. Like <laughs> so, we said, thirty five. We've lived thirty five years. Well, we yes. might get to thirty five. I don't know. I'm a little <laughs> younger than my daughter and son, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it has been. Um, I you know I feel so blessed, and and I have to say this to you is that I have been able to come into a time where people. You know, sometimes people can't even imagine that when we were beginning our career that we weren't flying around the world and that, uh, you know, I was in the era when people still had ice boxes, you know, where ice was delivered to your house and put in a box to mm. house your um, your 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 meats and vegetables, you know. Mm. And um, that was, um, everybody didn't have a refrigerator. Some only had ice boxes, and that's what they called them, ice boxes. I also was at a t- my grandfather's I- house. <laughs> I was also at a time when uh, they didn't have everyone didn't have an inside toilet. They had outhouses. And uh, one of the stories that I'll tell you about later was <laughs> one of the young men falling in to one of oh. them <laughs> at church. <laughs> It was quite a sight, I will tell you, quite a sight, because he was almost up to his neck. Oh, my. And I'm not going to say what the material was. We can guess, though. I'm sure we can guess. Uh, real quick before it's uh, time for us to get here, I get out of here. Um, you recently attended the opening gala events of the Motown the Musical on Broadway, and I was glancing through the pictures uh, real quick there, and it seemed to be like the who's who of the music industry. And I don't want to ask you to name any names because I don't want to get you in any trouble. But when you listen to the music of today, uh, this generation, are you impressed? Disappointed? Uh, how does it strike you? Well, you know. Um I am impressed with some of the songs that the young people have today. I really am, and I enjoy a lot of their music. We still have great songwriters, and we still have great people that are talented and put their music out. Unfortunately, a lot of them do not become superstars. Some do, but a lot do not, because we're right at that place where, you know, the public is the one that tells what's going to sell. Mm-hmm. If they don't, you know what, it's, it's us. It's we're the driving force that says what what we're going to listen to even. Because if you don't buy it, then they'll stop making it. But if you gotcha. continue to buy it, they will <laughs> continue to make it. Because the people behind the force, what what is the main object of doing it in the first place? Making it's a profit. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. But there were wonderful people there. You know, it was not just uh, people that were in the music industry, but there were actors and actresses and people that I've seen, um, you know, many, many years ago, like in the movies, people even older than us. (laughs) 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 I tell you, they all look absolutely amazing, wonderful. And if you get an opportunity, please go and see Motown the Musical. It was absolutely, I mean, my heart was just kind of racing because, you know, they have miracles in about five different scenes in the play. And to see this young lady, you know, they're calling her Claudette. Uh, (laughs) Say, that's me. (laughs) 
She was excited to meet me. I was excited to meet her, and I had it was great, absolutely great. And I want to tell you one other thing, uh, Lana. I know that you're almost about out of time, time. Uh but the Hell Awards, which is an organization that's been on for about 24 years, and I'm the um, um, co-chairperson for 24 of those years. And each year, what she does is she, her name is Janie Bradford, a songwriter that wrote Money, and she, uh, with Mr. Gordy, and she uh, gives scholarships to young people in the arts, not just performing, but any of the arts. And that's every year, and it's at the Beverly Hills Hotel here in L.A. And uh, next year will be her 25th year, and um, everybody should come to that because it's going to be quite an amazing um, event. And okay. the other thing that I must say is that I'm starting something, and it's called Miracle Babies. And I really would like to make sure or try to help young women who are having, uh, young women, old women, uh, older women, not old, um, in terms of if they're having babies, because every baby is a miracle. And um, I would just like uh, to be able to share some funds or something that I can to help them in uh, their prenatal care because sometimes, if, especially if girls are young, they often are afraid, you know, to go to let their moms know, let, to do what they should do. And it, prenatal care is extremely important and necessary. So that's just one of the things I wanted to tell you about. <laughs> okay. Good, good stuff. And all of that will be uh, available on your uh, website, ClaudetteRobinson.com, correct? Yes, it will be. Okay, so real quick, congratulations to uh, Dave of Chicago on winning the second set. And uh, my guest today has been the First Lady of Motown, Ms. Claudette Robinson. You can keep up with what she has done and is doing by visiting her website at ClaudetteRobinson.com. Claudette, it has been such a treat, and I want to thank you for coming on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. I tell you, the time went so quickly. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. (laughs) Anyway, I'd love (laughs) to speak to you again. And good luck on your shows, your future ones and and all. And uh, it was absolutely a delight for me to to meet you and speak with you. Thank you, dear. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, that's all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember... Remember, when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and you can visit my website, lanareed.com, my Facebook, Lana Reed Online, or even catch up with me on Twitter. Until next time, I look forward to connecting with you.